Hi, this is Alana Terry, and you are listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. I'm really glad you joined us for Season 4. We are streaming daily chapters from full-length Christian fiction audiobooks just for you. And the sponsor for this season of the Unabridged Podcast is Blessing on the Run, which is also the audiobook you're going to listen to. So if you would like to listen to the entire audiobook at once, you can go to alanaterry.com slash blessing to get your free audiobook copy, or you can tune in right now for today's chapter of Blessing on the Run. Chapter 3 There isn't a college student, exchange student, or single bachelor or bachelorette from my parents' church who wasn't invited here tonight. Whole bunch of strays and loners, plus whatever family managed to make it. Mom and Dad's house is modest by Medford standards, but they've squeezed thirty or forty or more people here for Mom's famous Christmas Eve dinner. Mom's been giving me the questioning eye all night. I swear she knows about the baby. Maybe she'll find a way to mention it to Dad, warm him up to the idea of becoming a grandpa again. No matter how he reacts, it won't be as hard as when I got pregnant with Tyson. Of course, my relationship with my parents at that point in my life was strained at best. I can't say that I'm proud of it, but when you've got a past as convoluted and difficult as mine— you can understand how sometimes people end up with criminal records. Not that I made all the right decisions. I'm not trying to give you a bunch of excuses, but some folks make things so clear-cut, so black and white. They see a woman arrested for being an accessory to child prostitution and assume she's a felon who deserves to be locked up, kept out of the public eye, prevented from ever having contact with minors, and ideally sterilized. They don't see the x-rays showing the broken ribs or fractured cheekbones. They don't see the photos documenting all the black eyes or finger-sized bruises on your neck. All they see is the label. It's a small miracle I don't have to register anymore. I know conservatives are the ones who are supposed to be all hard on crime and stuff, but it was my dad who pleaded my case in front of a bunch of lawyers and statesmen, made me tell my side of the story. That's when they stopped seeing me as a perpetrator. That's why I don't have to register anymore. Thank God. Jared didn't know that. Stupid jerk hadn't even done his homework. So your boyfriend know you're a felon? He asked me that night at the bank. He was standing between me and the exit by then and he's still more than half a foot taller than I am. Trouble is, he also spent nearly all his free time behind bars pumping iron, so he's even stronger now than he was when he got locked up. Lucky me, right? I didn't want to talk to him about Damien, but when your ex has just gotten out of prison and shows up at your work when no one else is there, and now he's deliberately blocking your chances of escape— you don't have a whole lot of opportunities to call the shots. I have no idea how he found out about Damien, but that doesn't matter. It's simple for someone like him, just like discovering where I worked, knowing my schedule so he could be there the one night a week I was on closing. What's he look like? 
Jared asked. He dark and handsome like me, big hunk. He stepped closer, and I remember worrying that I was going to be late picking up my son. Out of all the things I should have been scared of right then, I was worrying that Tyson would have to stay an extra ten or fifteen minutes with Damien's mom. He's a good guy, I told Jared. We're just trying to get by, that's all. Yeah, what about our house in Hawaii? What about all that money we were going to make? Hawaii was one big lie, and you know it, I reminded him. All you needed me for was to keep your other girls in line. I sounded like a little kid complaining when someone else cuts on the way to the cafeteria. He reached out his hand and stroked my cheek. I should have pulled away. Even now, I don't know why I didn't. Old habits. Come on, baby. You remember how good we were together, don't you? Tell me something. Your man know about us? You tell him about all the good times we had? He was talking so sweet, I thought maybe he'd let me leave. I tried to squeeze past, but he grabbed me by the shoulder. How could I have forgotten how tight his grip was? Where are you off to so fast? His breath was hot in my ear. I can't say it was exactly a tickle, but I remember it sent goosebumps racing up my spine. I'm off the clock, I said. I gotta go. Gonna get your son, he asked. That's not your business, I told him. My voice was forceful, but I had stopped trying to strong-arm my way past him. Sometimes with Jared, you learn to just take what's coming and wait for whatever mood he's in to pass. He ignored my little remark and stood there staring at me. You look so good, he said. And to this day, I thank God that those simple words didn't make me feel anything more than a slight flush. All I wanted to do was go pick up my boy. He sighed, cocked his head to the side like I've seen him do thousands of times. Man, I've missed you. I could tell that any hint of danger had passed. Funny how after so many years, I could still read the signs that well. I've got to go. I brushed by him, and he didn't stop me. I'll see you around. Yeah, he said, so cocky and confident I could see the grin on his face without having to turn to look at him. See you around. He spoke the words in a snarl that made my pulse race and my hands start sweating so that by the time I pulled up in front of Damien's mom's house, I was still shaking. Chapter 4 How's my baby? Dad booms as he wraps me up in a hug. For a split second, I'm afraid that Damien's told him about the pregnancy, and that's what he's talking about. But then Dad kisses me on the cheek, calls me his little girl, and I understand. I'm the baby, just like I always will be in Dad's mind, even though I'm a mother well into my thirties and got pregnant for the first time over two decades ago. As far as Dad's concerned, I'll always be the scared little girl he met so many years ago. I'll never forget the day CPS brought me over to my new home. I was all of twelve and a half, but was already pregnant with Jared's baby. 
and there were Carl and Sandy looking so tickled to have me join their little picture-perfect family. Dad and I hit it off right away, which goes completely against everything you'd expect. I mean, if you'd read even the first page or two of my CPS file, you'd understand why I had every reason to mistrust men, especially older authority figures. Sandy was... Well, you'd have to meet her for yourself. She's like a tsunami of compassion, and for some people, that's exactly what they need. But others like me end up with this feeling like they're going to drown. It wasn't that my foster mother and I didn't get along. Sure, we had our ups and downs, but for the most part, we were fine together. But it was Dad I connected with first, Dad I bonded with the strongest, which is why I don't want him to find out about Jared. I saw him twice after that first time at the bank. Looking back, I was stupid not to call the cops right away, and even once I got free from him that night, that should have been the first thing I did, not speeding over to pick up my son and hold him so close. A couple days passed, and I was foolish enough to hope that I'd seen the last of Jared. Should have known better but some truths are too difficult to accept right away. Your brain needs time to warm up to reality, know what I mean? He called me a few days later. Don't ask me how he got the number to my cell. When you're someone like Jared, you figure out how to do those things. I swear that man has connections all up and down the East Coast, and he uses most of them for things far more villainous than pestering an old girlfriend. What you doing? he asked, all gruff, as if I were a little kid supposed to check in with him every night or something. That you, Jared? I asked, thankful that Damien was working late. I still hadn't told my boyfriend about running into Jared at the bank, because I was hoping to act like an ostrich and keep my head buried in the sand. Or maybe that's an emu. I couldn't even tell you the difference. I just know they're both strange as anything I've ever seen. Where you at? He talked like I owed him an explanation for where I'd been and what I'd been doing for the past two days since he'd scared me at the bank. What's it to you? Just wondering. His voice got soft again, reminding me of the man I'd fallen in love with over half a lifetime ago. I was all of ten. How sick is that? Which made him nineteen. And even though things didn't happen between us until another year or two, he started grooming me right from the beginning, bringing me little gifts whenever I went to spend the night with my cousin, paying her a crisp $20 bill if she'd help me sneak out of her house so I could go driving with him without anyone knowing. We went to the movies. We went out for ice cream. That man even took me roller skating, told everyone we met I was his niece, his beautiful niece, and it was my birthday so he was taking me out for a special treat. Every day with Jared was my birthday. And the presents, everything ranging from pieces of jewelry that he told me cost several hundred dollars to little stuffed Hello Kitty animals because I was so young, I still liked junk like that. By the time I hit sixth grade, things escalated quickly. School was hard for me, always had been, but junior high was especially brutal. A lot of it had to do with the social cliques. We were really segregated, 
I'm not talking just race, either, although I'm sure that was part of it. And since I've got dark skin, most of the white folks thought I was tough or stuck up. But the black kids weren't all that accepting, either, as if my few years bouncing around to different foster families from all kinds of different ethnicities kept me from being all black. But even worse than the race issues were just the dumb social circles. Who had the new Adidas shoes and who didn't? Who had a Jansport backpack and who bought generic? I'd been in the system a couple years by then. This was still a little before I moved in with Carl and Sandy, who eventually adopted me. But none of my other foster families cared about the difference between a $15 pair of shoes and a $70 pair of shoes. So you can guess what I showed up to school wearing. Same thing with winter coats, brand name jeans, you name it. I still remember how badly I wanted a Calvin Klein t-shirt. I mean, you'd think something like that was so minor, especially since it was literally just a t-shirt, not even one of those cute little cropped tees or junk like that. But there was something in me that wanted to be all preppy, to fit in with the cool crowd, and those kids all had Calvin Klein shirts which, as I recall, were the only kinds of t-shirts that could be worn tucked into your jeans without you looking like a nerd or cowboy wannabe. When I mentioned it to Jared in passing, he took me to the mall that same night. My foster family at the time thought I was staying over with my step-cousin, and he bought me my Calvin Klein shirt and then dropped $300 on me at Wet Seal. I don't know if you're familiar with that store, but it's where anybody with any sort of social ambition at my junior high shopped. He picked the clothes and had me try them on and show him. I still have no idea why the worker there didn't find it odd for a twenty-year-old man to be dressing up a preteen in miniskirts and crop tops. Maybe she did think it was strange, but was more interested in her fifteen percent commission than any sense of social responsibility. Or who knows? Maybe she actually bought into his line about being my uncle, taking me shopping for my birthday. Things changed for me immediately with my new wardrobe, and then Jared started picking me up in his car after school. He had this classic T-bird, bright, shiny blue, and he'd pull up with the windows down and the stereo blaring, and then wait for me to come down the front steps with my friends. Sometimes when I got close enough... He'd wink and snap his fingers and say, What's up? I turned into a little puddle of giggling hormones, and so did my girlfriends, who all envied me. Can you imagine how cool you feel when you start the year as the nobody at your school, and then have someone like Jared show up every afternoon to drive you home? We spent even more time together that summer, because my foster parents, at the time, both worked, and we lived close enough to Jared's niece they let me ride my bike there. I seriously could go weeks without actually seeing my step-cousin, but I was with Jared every single afternoon. I'll just leave it up to your imagination to guess what happened next. By the time I moved in with Carl and Sandy, I was more than halfway through a pregnancy that I ended up keeping secret from everybody and still have. Literally, Jared himself doesn't even know the full truth.
You'd think I'd look back and despise myself for falling so hard for him. But there's part of me, I hate to even admit it, that's how dumb it sounds, that wishes we could go back to those days. Jared, me, sneaking around because we were completely in love. Or at least I know I was, and he told me he was, so what reason did I have to doubt? The stupid thing is that even knowing what I know now, even with all the warning signs, the restraining orders, the run-ins with the law, everything, if I were that little girl again today, I know I'd fall for him just as hard, make all the same mistakes I did back then. Which is why I'm so scared now that he's out of prison and is trying to maneuver his way back into my life. Have some more of the ham, sweetie pie, Mom tells me. I'm busy trying to keep track of my son, who's already spilled punch on some pinch-faced lady's lap, stained Mom's tablecloth trying to double-dip the chips into the nacho cheese, and has probably filled himself with a thousand calories or more of brownies and cookies before he even thought of touching his dinner. Meanwhile, Dad and Damien have been deep in discussion, which I hope is good news. Dad's never thought too highly of my boyfriend, even though Damien's been working steady at the pizza place for nearly a year now and has never once treated me wrong. He's not a thing like Jared. I forget if it was when I was in eighth or ninth grade when I first saw Jared's anger issues. It wasn't directed at me, or I might have been smart enough to run away. No, who am I kidding? He had me at, was up? How pathetic is that? Anyway, it was his niece, my step-cousin, who got on the wrong end of his temper. I honestly don't remember what the big deal was. Isn't that funny? Especially considering how I literally rolled myself into the corner and sobbed while he hit her. It wasn't the most injury I'd see him inflict. In the years to come, I'd witness far worse, and eventually become the favored victim. But it shook me up that first night. And what did he do when he finished with my cousin and saw me crying in that scared little ball of nerves and trauma? What did he do to the little foster girl he'd frightened so badly? Held me against his chest, wiped my tears dry, and promised he'd never yell at me like that, as long as I never, ever thought of leaving him. That was our bargain, and I kept up my side of it for decades longer than I should have. Alana Terry here. I hope you enjoyed today's installment of Blessing on the Run. Please don't forget that you can listen to the entire audiobook of Blessing on the Run when you purchase it from Audible or wherever it is that you like to listen to digital audiobooks, or you can go to alanaterry.com blessing to download your free copy. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you soon.